So in my time as a spin instructor at True Ride, Yvonne rode like 90% of my 6am classes. So that meant a lot. And right now she is working for Spinco, which is one of the fastest growing franchises in Canada, which is really exciting. So I think you'll enjoy this conversation, especially if you like spin. Welcome to the Lifestyle Chase Season 2. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. I'm your host, Chris Little. Let's get started. The Lifestyle Chase is brought to you by Yeg Fitness. Yeg Fitness is Edmonton, Alberta, Canada's healthy lifestyle community, creating and supporting active living for all. Check them out online at yegfitness.ca and on social media at Yeg Fitness. Welcome to episode 80 of the Lifestyle Chase. I am joined by the one and only Yvonne Camus. How are you doing today? Great. Congratulations on uh, number 80. I feel very privileged to be able to chat with you on the 80th version of your podcast. It's super exciting. Um, what's the weather like where you're at right now? Well, we actually, so I'm in uh, Blue Mountains in uh, Ontario, and we got, uh, I think it was about 11 inches of snow yesterday, so it's uh, it's definitely winter. Very, very winter. <laughs> yeah, the, the forecast is calling for a lot of snow for Edmonton, so I'm sure we'll be in a very similar boat very, very soon. Yeah, well, my experience for my four winters in Edmonton was that um, there's no avoiding the winter. <laughs> It's going to come, so enjoy. <laughs> so when you were kind of based in Edmonton more, um, what was your way to to be like at the top of your game, having to commute so often, so frequently, going back and forth, all these plane flights? Like what kept what kept you grounded? What kept you motivated? What kept you from going crazy? Well, you know, it's a great question because I think um, – in my in the early years of my fitness career, I always used to shake my head at people that um, like you know business people that were coming in and out of the the gym I was based in, and they would talk about how their life was so impacted by business travel. And and me and my naive youth, I remember thinking, how can that be a bad thing? Like you know, it's got to be amazing to be on a plane and see new places and. Uh, travel and and now you know in hindsight of of my last I would say probably five to ten years of business with so much business travel I have a whole new appreciation for the toil of travel and um, so you know when I look back on four years of commuting to Edmonton and I was pretty much flying back and forth at least three times a month I would say um, originally it was every week and then I, I kind of um, ended up being able to spend kind of 10 days straight in Ontario and the rest of the time commute back and forth. And it's shocking the toil, like the impact it has on your physical health is massive. I think primarily, you know, mobility is is just something I had never factored into, you know, the the way I had to think about my workouts or, um, you know, I, I being an athlete as a, uh, you know, through entirely through my youth and then even well into adulthood, I think, the amount of just movement you create through workouts when you're training for a sport 
is so beneficial and you don't even really think about that aspect of it. I think you think about the strength or the speed or the endurance that you're building and really the best byproduct of all that training is just, you know, great mobility as long as you're training well and, you know, and have some, some balance with respect to muscle development and that kind of thing. But so I think it took me, like it took me the entire four years of commuting to realize what a negative effect it had on my mobility specifically. And then that, having a effect like to, to your question of like kind of the mentality or the mental aspect around it. I just was so not used to, and probably not really acknowledging for myself what that lack of mobility does to your kind of mental health, just because like when, when you're hurting, just moving around through daily uh, tasks and you and you're like, what's this? You know, like I remember, I remember really, I thought at one point I thought, I should write a book about like, what is this? Like, what is this hip stiffness? What is this sore neck? Like, what is this um, little belly that I can feel when I'm doing my yoga? Like it was, it was just such a weird thing to really experience that shift of um, from feeling so fit to feeling uh, not even like, I wouldn't say it was that feeling of a lack of fitness because I think my cardio fitness was still fairly good. You know, like I rode your spin class all the time and I love that feeling of a cardio workout. And, you know, I had a trainer, so I was doing strength training. Uh, and it was, it was really a mobility issue. And when you, I, I think I was seeing a, a physio um, at one of our clinics and she said, she did the math on it. And she's like, you are sitting either in a plane or in a car for, you know, an additional 16 hours a day with this commuting uh, schedule or sorry, 16 hours a week, a week in this commuting schedule. And it really hit me. I'm like, yeah, like that's pr probably a massive shift from where I was at before where I wasn't commuting. So, um, you know, I think in general, I'm probably like, I've been accused of being too positive. Like I have that, that positive outlook gene, I think. Um, so even at the time, I wouldn't say it it completely leveled me with respect to how I was feeling mentally, but it definitely was curious to me. And it took me a while to figure out what was going on. That makes sense. I understand that. And I like that you brought up the, the positive outlook thing. I'm curious in your career, when is a time when you being positive in every situation has backfired on you? And what did you learn from that? You know, it has, I would say recently in my career where I've seen it trip me up is um, I have a little bit of a tendency to not question things because I just always believe that they're going to come out like that, that you know, there's a, there's a force of karma, there's a force of, um, you know, putting out good things in the world brings you back good things. And I think in general, when you're, when you're with like-minded people, I think that's, that's true. I've been a little surprised at times where I maybe go into things a little bit too naively because I just so believe in the positive outcome that I don't kind of check all my blind spots and, and make sure that I'm, that I'm kind of going into it with the same understanding that other people are. So, and specifically just with business contracts, I think I've had to get smarter with totally. that because 
if you put some kind of just blind positivity in place, there are people that just will take advantage of that because they just know you're so excited about something. Like I think having so much enthusiasm and positivity is such a beneficial characteristic. It's certainly, you know, one that, that I lead with, but I've had to kind of tag along that, okay, like, you know, let me let me kind of dig into all the corners of this decision and think through it maybe a little bit more. I like that answer. And I find that a lot of those decisions are based off of like our core values or, or whatever we want to call it. So if you could like list off things that are your core values, what would they be? Um, I probably would lead with um, honesty. I think I'm, I found even more so year after year that it seems to be a trigger for me if people aren't honest with me, I, whether it's for the good or the bad. Like I do find, I think I've been surprised in business at times where people have that belief that a good lie is okay. Like if it's, if it's well-intended or, and, and I'm just more one of those people. And even if it's something people think I don't want to hear, I would rather hear it because I get very, I, I get my back up if I feel like people aren't giving me all the information I need to make my decision and the decision I'm making. And so when there's either like what I think of as like a lie of omission or a, you know, that whole, I forget whose example it was where they say like, you know, if you're aunt, aunt Agatha's coming into Easter brunch and her hat is hideous, does it serve anybody to be honest about her hat being hideous or like, is it better just for everybody to be not truthful and say it's lovely and she, and, and so I get that part of it where it's like, you know, if you feel like the truth is going to do more harm than, than a non-truth, you know, where do you land on that? And so I get that whole like intentions being brought into the thinking behind how honest people are. Um, I think where it affects me in business is where I see people justify to themselves not being truthful um, because it's really easier on them than than being straight up. And uh, so that would be, I say, so I kind of lead with that. And I think it's because it's circled around me, whether it's been in that, you know, I think uh, like I've been told by a therapist, I was honest to a fault at times. And that that's an aspect that I have to consider that perspective of, you know, is honesty ever failing you? I don't know. That's a, I think that's a tough one to answer. But I do expect and and support honest relationships, and I think especially in business. Um, so that would be one of my core values, I would say. I think anyone who's ever worked with me would probably attest to the fact that that, um, that hard work ethic, like being willing to commit more effort than the norm, is is up there in my core values. And I think it, I've brought that into all aspects of my life. Like. I think you get surprised by, for example, like parenting, you get surprised by how much effort that takes. And then kind of that, that, um, you know, spread that exists between like so much of parenting and good parenting and supportive parenting, I think it just really comes down to time and effort and not necessarily like I've, you know, I think like every new parent, I've probably read every book or, you know, tried my best to understand 
the skills of parenting. Um, and I've landed in a place after three boys of the fact that it really comes a, a lot of good parenting comes around from the effort of wanting to be a good parent. So putting that effort in and then the same with, you know, relationships or work, like I think, um, or fitness, like I think you and I both know so much about being healthy. And I think I like the term healthy rather than a description of just being fit. But I think that that goal or that aspiration to have a healthy lifestyle comes, there's just so much effort needed to do it. Like there's just a higher level of commitment because it's easier not to do so much of what it takes um, in that realm. And so, yeah, I'd put those two pretty up far up there. And I think my other core value has always been just, just constant learning. You know, I think that's probably, I always joke about the fact that I'm going to be the 85 year old who registers for a, a university course because, or, you know, a new d university degree, because I've just always loved learning. And that's why, like, I'm, I'm so happy to be doing this podcast with you today because I listen to so many podcasts and I think it's, you know, the cool thing um, we've been, you know, exploring the whole world of, of adult learning with um, respect to our business and trying to push out some uh, modules for training with our team. And one of the cool things we discovered in that process is just, you know, the growth of podcasts as a whole. One of the reasons is because you can learn while you're doing something else. So you can listen to a podcast and discover knowledge or understanding or just like fulfill a curiosity and while you're driving, right? So you're like actually doing something else. Like what for me, I do it a lot while I'm out either exercising, like hiking or running or power walking or golfing or, you know, any of those things where you actually can listen and do something else at the same time. Whereas if you were studying a book or watching a video, you, you can't necessarily combine those two things. But I think with the reality of people's lives, and for me right now, I'm commuting from our home into the into downtown Toronto. So I have about a anywhere from a two and a half to a four hour drive if I'm doing that. And the fact that I can, you know, utilize that time to feel like there's the there's a capacity or opportunity to learn something has been amazing. Like it's it's just been phenomenal to discover. And I'm always asking people, so what's your favorite podcast? And what are you listening to? And the other thing I've discovered in that whole process as well as uh, audiobooks which again, like just for me, make the drive valuable because it's, it's actually time that I'm fulfilling that kind of, you know, core value I have of just always being open to learning, you know, anything more than what you've already learned. I like that. I'm curious, what is your favorite audiobook recently? Oh, that's, I've actually, strangely enough, it's a fiction book that I just listened to, uh, and I'm I'm late to the party, but it was where the crawdads sing, okay. which uh, you know has nothing to do with business. But I think sometimes, even for me, I think at much more so in my youth, I used to read a lot of fiction, and I think sometimes it's great to like just turn your mind off a little bit and uh, and let some of those things sink in, it's like just the the idea of a of of it not being about business. Totally. And I mean, like... but I am reading. Sorry, I was going to say I am reading. It's not an audio book. I tried to download it in audio, but 
Um, my father-in-law shared with me uh, a book I'm reading right now called No Assholes, which I'm finding very helpful. <laughs> I think probably everybody could stand to read that book. There's a pretty good chance. <laughs> exactly. And I think especially like we were chatting, you know, a couple of minutes ago about this whole like, you know, optimism, positive outlook kind of world and how it, it and you asked me like, how's it at times worked against me or if I had to learn from it. And that's the reason for this book is because of bumping up against someone who, you know, um, is not at all like that. And so I've had to kind of try to try to put it someplace like and try to figure out how I how I interact with that. Yeah. Uh, type of different mentality. Yeah. So in going through that process, like, I imagine there's going to be people that listen to this podcast that are like, oh, that is so relatable. What advice would you have for someone in a situation like that? Well, you know, I think, and and I think it's more what I would share is what I tried to do for myself. And I think that's, um, you know, I think everybody's different. For me, uh, one thing was to explore it. Like I had to kind of mentally explore it. And I think that's where, uh, this book is helpful for me. I would say, you know, people who are close to me and have worked closely with me know that I really have a lot of that never give up kind of attitude. Um, and so for me, the go-to, even though it, it creeped into my mind to just, um, you know, uh, diverse myself out of the situation. So just like resign from it or move on from it or, um, you know, try to try to not have it to be something I had to figure out. Um, and I certainly, you know, I think your automatic consideration is that, but instead for me, what I typically do and what I did was explore it, like kind of try to unpack it a little bit for myself and kind of figure out, you know, what does it mean for me and, and what does it take from me to, um, create success in an environment that isn't necessarily my favorite, um, space to be in. So, uh, so that for me was a big thing, like just kind of to and hence reading the book um you know i also recently uh, was at uh, a bit of a seminar where um one of the speakers it was out in halifax and she one of the things she said really landed on me because she, she said like you know when you're kind of in that trough of of challenging or difficult times moments segments of your life um you know have somebody in your life that you can say to like this is what I want would want you to know is this is what I do when I'm well. So here are the things I do when I'm well as in and in well in my mind meant like not under stress, not like being affected by the negativity I was experiencing. And that like it, it just kind of popped open this little door in my brain to say like, okay, I, I actually really need to explore that because instead of spending too much time in that mental space of how hard it was interacting regularly with someone who was in a different kind of space of and not in that positivity optimistic optimistic kind of space I live in um so it made me pop open a little tunnel in my mind where I went okay like yeah I'm gonna think more about what are the things I do when I'm well and it kind of cultivated this return to really mindful yoga where I could just uh kind of blow out some of that stuff that was sitting because for me mindful yoga is so much more about like a little bit of the meditation that goes on in that and i i regular i do like morning meditations every day and i think maybe that had gotten 
too routine and it wasn't solving, it wasn't kind of clearing that space for me. So I went back to like a really mindful hot yoga class. And it was like, you know, that, that moment where you kind of discover that little um, place that, that really seems to open, open your thinking a little bit. So, um, so that, that was like, instead of getting rid of what was causing a lot of that stress and anxiety for me, I kind of went to a place more where I'm like, how can I understand this and the effect it has on me? And then how can I kind of blow it out a little bit more, a little bit better so that I'm, I'm feeling better. Cause you know, I think the objective for me in that situation was why am I like, I'm feeling badly all the time. I didn't think the person that was um, affecting me was feeling badly. It was just, it was just impacting me so much. So, um, so that, that's what I would share. I would share that, that kind of the, and both of those things just, you know, they weren't intentional initiatives on my behalf. They both kind of just fell into my lap. Like I was kind of talking to my father-in-law a little bit about what I was experiencing and he shared this book, no assholes with me. And then happened to be at this event, uh, out in Halifax and the speaker just said those words like, you know, acknowledge to yourself and somebody else what you're doing when you're well. So that if they see you distressed, they can say, you know, like, are you are you doing the things that help, you know, keep you well? And so and both those things, like I said, they weren't my initiatives. They just kind of it was almost it was that carpe diem kind of moment where it's like, oh, these these things just happened to be put in my path uh, to help. And they were certainly really helpful. I like that. That's awesome. Um, my next question revolves around leadership because like I did a bit of the research to like watch some of your motivational speeches because you've got a lot of speeches up on YouTube, which is pretty awesome. Um, if you could define leadership in your own words right here, right now, what would your definition be? Um, I think it goes hand in hand a little bit with what we just talked about with core values. But I, for me, when I've been capable of what I felt was good leadership. It was from learning more from the team than trying to instill knowledge on them. Um, and, you know, the for me, my experience with when I've had great leadership, like when someone's demonstrated great leadership that I've been motivated to, um, you know, to, to kind of grow from, it's it's when they really demonstrate that skill of follow like i call it followership but that sense of knowing like when to to be the person that has to be the the one and only versus being the one that's more like um okay let me help you with your idea like let me help you be successful with what you think is gonna um be a good decision here and I think the other part of leadership for me when I've experienced it and when I've been trying to be a leader is knowing the value of encouragement and enthusiasm, like getting people excited and involved to me. So, you know, in the past five years, I've, I've walked in and taken over two different companies, both of which had large teams and, and a lot of um, diverse uh, aptitudes and knowledge and desires and um my my plan going into both of those was always freeze unfreeze freeze so take the first three months and learn like don't make decisions like everybody thinks you go into an organization as a coo and 
like, oh, I'm just going to change everything. Um, and whereas I had learned from a mentor in my career that it was much better to go whenever you're going into a new situation is, is don't, don't make the changes immediately because you don't know everything. And for me, that was so valuable when I came out to Edmonton, um, you know, that was my strategy and it was so valuable because I think people have far more buy-in if you've taken the time to try and understand and learn versus just come in and, you know, think, okay, I know, I know what to do here and here's what we're going to do. Um, so I would say that like really kind of being capable of scanning the landscape and learning from it before making all the decisions and um, that sense of, you know, being able to, to kind of harness the, what, what actually one of my husband's phrases in his business world, he calls it group genius. But when you can harness that group genius, so if you go in and just start telling everybody what to do, it doesn't get, make people feel like they've had any value uh, to that point. Whereas if you, you know, try and get everybody giving you their thoughts and understandings, you can form a much better perspective of that and not go, like my experience has been not to take the word of all the, the top dogs. It's more like you learn a lot. Like for example, when I went out West, it was learning a lot from our reception team and our personal trainers about what their world was like versus what the executive team necessarily thought it was like. So I like that. That's, that's, where I would... that's a good way to put it and a good, something that a lot of people would be able to relate to. We're going to go back in time a little bit. And I want you, if you can remember your high school experience, what was that like mm -hmm. for you? You know what? I would say generally I loved high school. You know, my youngest is in high school now. And I was so worried for him going into high school in this day and age because everybody says how hard it is. And I, it's wonderful to see that he's actually really liking high school too. Um, I loved high school because I think primarily I did every, I think every sport that I could compete in, in high school, I competed in, like it just was like this um, amazing place where I, you know, really found my footing as an athlete. And I had been, I'd been training as a competitive athlete outside of like school for years. And so to kind of go into school and have like that opportunity, I think sports for me was just an amazing venue for getting a lot of coaching, which I loved. And I think coaching, you know, like we just discussed leadership. I think so many people like me who were involved in athletics, like your first real experience with leadership other than your parents, which sometimes is a weird dynamic of leadership. But I think the first experience you have of leadership is when you're probably coached um, by a, a high school you know, athletics coach. And for me, that was like, I had so many different coaches and learned so much for them. And in that time in my life, I took my, you know, like there's the Canadian level one coaching and I did uh, that and kind of really wanted to get, um, you know, that, that part of my life, just build that understanding. So, um, and I was, you know, I think of myself as, as fortunate in the sense that I was, you know, I had, I had good grades and um, I loved, and I think that when we talked about it earlier, my core values, like I loved learning. I loved being that sponge of, you know, being able to take information in and um, understand it enough that I could, you know, accelerate through schools. So it was, uh, I, I think of high school and university as just amazing times for me. 
That's awesome. In all of the coaches and uh, teammates that you've had, who are three that really stand out to you? Like something that you'll just never forget about them and why? Um, well, the first one that pops into my mind is actually um, a, a coach in high school named Larry Archibald. And he was our basketball coach. And he was um, vertically challenged as far as a basketball player. Like he was, you know, but he had, he had been a successful basketball player in his career, but he was, he was like shorter than most of the girls on our team, but he really demonstrated um, and taught us to, to kind of learn that it was, that if you were willing to put in the work in the, in skill development, that you could be great at a sport. Like he was, he was kind of a walking testimony to that. And what he did for me is like, cause I was taller than most of the girls. Like I'm kind of tall, even still on on a scale um and i always you know wanted thought that that would make me a great center that i would like play that position because i was tall and i could jump and um he made me a point guard and uh, i remember just hate like thinking like what are you doing <laughs> because i really at the time thought that you know the center playing center and doing all the uh like that kind of role of you know the the start of jumping uh and and winning the ball for your team and that kind of thing that was kind of what was important in my mind and he really shifted my understanding to being more about you know point guard is like is a bit of the leader on the court and um you know like he worked really hard with me to develop my outside shooting and and just the fact i think what he showed me was that he could see something that i didn't see and through his belief in you know the ability that i was coachable that that was going to be successful. Um, so learned uh, a ton from him. Um, in hindsight, I would say the other high school coach, our principal, her name was Mrs. Nielsen, and she actually coached um, basketball as well. And she was in in the mind of you know a grade eleven year old. She seemed like ancient. She was like you know the principal that was, um, you know not young in my, from my memory at that time. And I look back on it and I think like she was younger than I am now. And, uh, at the, but at the time I thought, you know, like I had so much admiration for, um, she would come out and play basketball with us. And it, you know, like at the time when you're a high schooler and your principal is playing basketball with you, that, uh, that to me was just like, I loved her spirit of being able to say like, I'm going to get in the mix here. Like I'm, I'm not going to play it from the sidelines, play it safe from the sidelines. And that again was a good example to me, I think even in business of like, I know a lot of business people who want to kind of, I, I, the description I would give is, is create more distance between themselves and, and some of the, the front line of their team or members of their team. And I think what I, learned from her and her willingness to get in the mix was just that like even though she was you know like she used to wear this like like a tennis dress to play basketball in and i remember all of us you know kids on the team feeling like that was just so different and uh, yet at the same time i look back on it now and i'm like you know it didn't she didn't let things stop her like she just got in the mix played like got on the court with us and that was a, an example to me that i've carried uh, forward. Um, and I think the last one would be when I was changing for training for eco challenge, 
you know, and I was an adult working full time. Um, we had a, a coach that was probably the, the most, the coach that most reached into that part of, of you as an athlete, that's more mental and more kind of like, um, like he's the guy that, that if you've seen some of the, the videos of my speech, but I talk about in my speech, cause he really helped with that. Like one out of 10 workouts that, you know, we're going to do together is going to be crap. Like it's going to be bad and you're going to hate it and you're going to doubt yourself. Um, and he also brought in a sports psychologist that worked a lot with us. And um, he was he was a high, high caliber athlete himself, like, you know, Olympic trials, world championships, all those kind of levels of paddling um, in his experience. So I think where he had gone with his athletic career, what he brought back and affected me with was that mental aspect, that ability to um realize that you have to work on that part of your game and i think you know when we just talked a few minutes ago about where in in you know my recent life needing to kind of figure my way out and understand some of that some of the impact of a, a different situation for me that probably came from that experience i had with that coach where he was kind of like you know if you're not if if your cycling training isn't going the way you want it to go not always necessarily because of what you're eating or how you're training it can be in your head right like and, and you have to pay as much attention to fostering and feeding that part of your success formula as you do the other aspects of it like the the skill of an athletic endeavor or the you know the training protocol for building endurance or like eating properly those things all matter but what he really exposed to me was all of that can be perfect and you may still have a, a bad result or a crap workout. And so it, it's as much about understanding what's going on in your head in those times. I like that. That's a good answer. Um, it kind of got me thinking of the term pivot because I find, especially within like the fitness space, there's so many instances where we pivot, we pivot, we pivot. And in that time, we don't necessarily know what we're pivoting for, but we just know that it's necessary. So I'm curious for you in your experience, what is a time when it occurred to you that a pivot was necessary, but you had complete doubt as to what was in the future? And like, how did that turn out? Like what, what became of that situation? Um, that's a good question. When I think about pivoting for me, most often it's, been when I've been working with someone and I'm not seeing the results that that I would want, like either the the work results, so the the measurables aren't there, or just the um, the interactions aren't feeling good. And I've, you know, I think for me, the hardest pivot I have to make at times is to the more harsh or uh, I don't even know if harsh is the right word. It's more kind of playing the heavy as a boss. Like I would always prefer to get results by um, encouragement and collaboration and all those things that we that make us feel so good when we're working. And I'm challenged by people who will push, um, like really push the boundaries of um, of our relationship. And so for me, sometimes 
to pivot into that, like I have to play the heavy here, like I've got to refer to the contractor, I've got to, um, you know, put the rules back in front of them or, you know, kind of snap the whip a little bit. That's probably my hardest pivot. Um, and even after I do it and I know it's completely warranted, I'll, I'll chew on it for a long time just to, cause it's so almost, um, against the grain for me to have that kind of interaction with somebody. That makes sense. So when I do it, yeah, it really sits heavy with me when I have to, but, but I do see it, like I can see it at times where, you know, I've, I've tried every aspect of that part of the positive relationship that I like being a part of. Um, and they're just sometimes I, I can see it and I can see it so clearly and it's like, okay, I have to pivot in this moment and, and be a little more, um, like stiff in the, like, you know, stiff in the backbone a little bit and kind of take the hard leap into some of the hard conversations. Yeah. I imagine in your career, you've probably met a lot of different people, had to make a lot of like, you've had to sort of assess a person and come up with like a, a first impression assessment of them. And like, I know for myself, I've kind of got my like, my guidelines, my rules, all these things. But what about you? What is something that stands out to you when it comes to a first impression of somebody that you just think has a good positive essence? What stands out about them? Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. I was just having a conversation with uh, the founder of the company I'm working for now, and we were chatting a little bit about um, some first impressions. And, you know, one of them for me is I think I learned, someone said it to me a long time ago, probably a boss, and it was like, um, you know, if someone's not at their best when they when they first meet you, if they put their, like, the most common thing is people want to make a good impression on you. So when they don't, and you can tell they're not like, it, it absolutely doesn't matter to them what impression they're giving you of themselves. That one's an, an, an enigma for me. Like I really sit there and go, wow, like this is like, cause you know, when you kind of think of most times people, especially in employment situations or business situations where you're negotiating things like, the the initial contact the overriding thing is to to make it a positive initial contact so when someone comes into that kind of situation with me and they they present the opposite it really like it, it just kind of stifles me a little bit like i sit there and i go wow like this is unusual and what is going on <laughs> like, what's going on with this um so yeah that one that one has has probably tilted me back on my heels a couple of times recently. Um, and I think it's a new business world out there. I think it's a new world. Like there's, it's been so interesting to me in the last, I would say six to 12 months, this whole sense of, um, you know, of where I think people are far more in a space where they're like, I am who I am and take it or leave it. There's, I'm not going to put any, anything on here like there's no mask there's no airs there's no you're gonna get me like i am and so and in some ways you know like i can appreciate that because like then there's no surprises right you're not meeting someone and getting a first impression from them that's contrary to who they're actually going to be if you decide to you know contract them or work with them or engage them in in a business uh relationship so that's i think I think we're seeing more of that 
um, now in business than we have in the past where there's not the whole, you know, I'm not going to uh, necessarily mold myself into like be the best first, give the best per first impression I possibly can if it's, if it's false or um, different in any way. I think people are coming more to the table at times with, with I'm just going to be real. And that's, that is refreshing. But at the same time, it does present that situation where you're like, okay, now that I know this, and I know this about them, w you know, what kind of relationship do I want to build with them? But for me, what my experience has been in the last six to 12 months is that it's helped, helped me explore what different people and different personalities and different perspectives bring to the table. Because I think what I've seen distinct, like, oh, did I lose you? No, I still got you. What, I, what I've seen distinctly in business is that, you know, as we empower people, and I think there's more empowered people have more personal empowerment, they're seeking more personal empowerment than ever before. And as we do that, I think what it creates is there's more friction in business. Like I've seen it at sitting around the table with large teams or a group of leaders is that the level of friction that I see now compared to five years ago, 10 years ago is distinctly different. And businesses today, I think, or even individuals today, we need to figure out like how to, how to accelerate while there's friction, like to, to actually take it as, you know, that whole, there's different perspectives, there's different understandings, there's different opinions, um, you know, and the right people, the people feel very strongly about the right to speak their opinion. Whereas I think that was maybe a little muted uh, before. So there's a, there's a lot more uh, interactions around a boardroom table now that I see where there's disagreement. And so figuring out how you, where do you pocket that? You know, like being capable of disagreeing with people and still admiring them in business and still admiring that they're willing to say their piece and, and contribute their thoughts um, and not take it you know, not take it or internalize it as much as um, as I think probably we would have in the past. I think those skills on a leadership team or an executive team are really important because they're, in my opinion, there's far more vocal expression um, and even personal expression of, of different, you know, takes on life or work or decisions. And that's that's what I'm seeing a lot of um that's that i think different than i would have seen before that makes sense when it comes to riding on a spin bike what's the most profound moment that you've ever experienced oh you know i think about like i've spent so many hours on a bike um and truly probably one of the most impactful moments was um when we did auditions for true ride because it was the first time I'd really been put into that that world I'm so much a part of now where, you know, I think I'd been a part of spin classes before where they're they're inspirational, but they were different in that it was typically about taking on the hard work or, you know, conquering a, a hill, like that kind of more mental toughness to make yourself go harder. Um, which I understood from that world of athletics. And then when we started the auditions for True Ride in Edmonton, 
the discovery of this whole other place that people could go to on a bike that was so um, inspirational in a different way um, because it, it was like cracking themselves open versus hardening themselves for, for a, a conquest of, of a physical nature. It was about, you know, creating vulnerability and that was really, really, really new to me. And, um, you know, you were a part of those auditions and I think so much of the crew that we brought on board at True Ride really exemplified um, their understanding of that. And um, in particular, I think you were there when uh, Caitlin did, um, she did the segment of her ride where, you know, in, for True Ride, it was that whole, like more of the kind of true, uh, I forget what we called it, but the moment where we kind of darken the room. True time. Completely. True time. Yeah. And uh, her first, like, do you remember when we, we were kind of in the, um, in the stage where people were putting together a couple of songs for themselves and she put together her True Time and I bawled my eyes out on the bike which I had never done before ever. And it just was this experience of, yeah, like, you know, yeah, this is, um, to me, the whole movement um, into studios like True Rider for, you know, for me at the moment, Spin Co or what we've seen in, you know, whether it's Cycle Bar or any of our other competitors is, I think that's what's attracted so many unique individuals who may never have found themselves on a bike in a, in a studio working out is the magic that's been created when someone, whether it's through, and I think it's an amazing combination of music and thoughts and expression that someone can do that from the bike and crack you open is amazing. So that was, that's probably one of my most memorable moments on the bike. That's really cool. I'll make sure that Caitlin listens to that part. <laughs> so I think she probably. <laughs> I'm curious about your experience with with Spinco. Like, what was your very first day like there? Well, it was interesting because um, I had made the decision to move on from my role in Edmonton, and uh, I had made the decision to come back to Toronto and not work for a period of time. Um, you know, you asked earlier about the, the, what commuting was like, and it definitely has its toll on, as I mentioned, like not just your physical mobility. And um, I think that contributes to stress, but also I was away from my family a lot. So I had decided I was going to come back and not um, pursue another position for kind of at least a year. And through an acquaintance, um, who's, who's uh, very good friends with the ownership group of Spinco, he contacted me and said, like, please talk to these guys. Like, I think it's the perfect thing for you. Um, and so started talking at, at first. I first the first thing I did is went and wrote a class and uh, in Toronto. And um, it was amazing. And it was actually quite funny because I think it was like August. And it was I don't know if you remember, but August was like a massive heat wave here in Toronto. And um, so I rode the class and it was phenomenal. And I like, you know, came out of the class red faced and and sweating profusely and then quickly got changed because I think I rode 9.30 till 10.30 and then I was meeting with the ownership group at 11. So did the quick, the quick, quick and transition change. And then I 
thought, oh, I'll just walk up to the office, but it was straight uphill up to like Young and St. Clair in Toronto. So I walk into this meeting with the ownership uh, and was like, could not stop sweating. Like I was just like, you know, dripping. And it, it was so funny because uh, they hadn't, they didn't know me from Joe, right? Like it was the first time they'd ever laid eyes on me and I had been referred in uh, through uh, one of their acquaintances, um, but kind of spoke to the, uh, to the operating partner and um, he described the business, you know, it was founded by a 22 year old girl in Kelowna, BC, um, Michelle August, who had just this, I think there were so many similarities in that she, you know, she was a, a great athlete and she had gone to university to play basketball and she graduated and was really struggling to find a workout that fed the same kind of feeling she had when she was uh, training athletically and developed uh, the method that Spinco uses and it's just evolved through like just kind of the commitment and um, embracement of the brand of young women and so most of our franchisees are well actually every one of them at this point is a young woman um, and we help them the company helps them a lot through the stages of of getting their business set up and starting to run a studio and um, so they had had I think at that point they had eight studios um, but they really needed kind of a, a fitness operator, like someone who understood the fitness business um, and could perpetuate kind of the that knowledge into operating really successful studios. And so uh, I think it was, it was curiosity that got the better of me, and which is typical for me a little bit. I'm always just like curious about, you know, what what could the possibility be if I joined their team? And so um, I, I kind of, tried to say, look, I really didn't want to work with, I'll, I'll come on board in January. And they um, convinced me to come on board in October. So I, I had a few months off, which was nice. It was good to recoup a little bit and spend some family time, but kind of went in full speed in October. So it's just been a year that I've been with them. And it's, um, it's really amazing. You know, I, I'm proud of, of the business and what it's becoming and what the future holds for it. In the last year, what's the thing that brought you the most joy when it came to working at Spinco? Um, you know, I would say it was a challenge for me in some of the aspects that we talked about earlier. Just, uh, you know, when I went on when I came on board and at Spinco, it was a very small, tight knit, like tight, tight knit uh, group um, that were a little leery of of a stranger, like, you know, a lot of the Spinco success has been built on people that start out in the business as a rider and then come on board because of their love of the brand and the experience. And so they've cultivated a team like through people that experience, have an experience with the brand and then cultivate up through uh, onto the bigger team. So it was a bit of a tough nut for me to crack um, and just for, for me and you know, I think some of what we've talked about in this podcast, I really had to incorporate like that sense of um, of letting people be who they are uh, within the team and figuring out winning strategies, utilizing that. And um, and so that's like I've I've loved the fact that you know at this point in my career, like I'm you know I've had a good 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 long career in fitness and. It's I, I love the fact that I'm still learning things like this. This Spinco team has taught me a lot. 
um, about what's really building, I think, this end of the business in our fitness spectrum, like when you think about the, the spectrum of fitness businesses, I think what's really, you know, the propeller behind Spring Coast success is how passionate they are and how, um, just how much it means to them that Spin Co is what it is. And so for me to be able to still learn so much about, you know, how to, how to harness the energy of a team and get it, get it moving in, in a unified direction. Like that's, it's been huge. It's been huge to spend a year, um, kind of finding the footing that's, that's really helped the business. I think, the, you know, I'm sure you, you saw we were the 30th fastest growing company in, in Golden Mail's top 400, the only fitness brand in the, in the, uh, in the awards. And we're really proud of that, but it's, it's kind of like, it's like harnessing a wild horse. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so yeah, it's been great because you have all the energy accelerating you. It's just a matter of, you know, corralling it. So, um, so that's been huge. In your time, spending time with different people, different instructors, different leaders, um, you probably met a lot of people that just got their start. I want to know, what was the most purest impact that that new person had on Spinco as a business, either at a local level or at a corporate level? Um, that's a good question. You know, I think we're, I think what's happening that I see at Spinco is we're attracting in a lot of people um, into the business that that want to be a part of the success that Spinco's creating at the moment. Um, and so that's bringing in some really committed, like people who, who bring a level of commitment to wanting to have that in their life that I think is valuable. Um, where it presents a challenge at times is, is where they fit in or, or how they can help the business as well. So, you know, I think one of the things I learned when I was in Edmonton from Lululemon actually was their approach to their ambassadors. And it wasn't so much like, you know, they weren't necessarily looking for people who were like, um, you know, uh, what it, people who wanted to come on board and just simply get the free clothes or get the, you know, discount or get the credit. What they were really interested in is like, how, how do, how is this going to better both party? Like, how is it going to better, Lululemon to have you as a part of our our team or our ambassador team, and how how is it going to make a difference for you other than the you know the the benefit of, of saving some dollars? And so I think that's where Spinco's at at the moment is um, we're really being selective about our new partners, like we are our franchise, but we consider them partners, um, and really looking at it as like what are the best what is, is this the best thing for Spinco and for this person and sometimes the answer is yes and sometimes the answer is no so it's um it's not always just about how much they love the brand it's also about you know are they in the right place and is Spinco in the right place to make this a, a you know a, a mutually beneficial partnership and so that's where i think people coming into with a lot of um like I said earlier, those different opinions and different outlooks 
um, sometimes they're going to be beneficial and sometimes they won't. That makes sense. In the last seven days, what's what's the happiest moment that you've had? Just random, anything in life, just something that you're like, ah, this is it. This is the thing. Uh, you know, it was, I came back to Edmonton. I was back in Edmonton as we, we chatted about, I think before the podcast started, I flew back, uh, on a little bit of business, but, um, padded it with, with pleasure in the sense that I reconnected and got to see just like, it's amazing to me. I, I built some really, really, uh, strong relationships when I was out there that are really important to me. And I, I, I go back to them mentally at times when I'm encountering different types of relationships in Toronto. Um, so I had, I probably had a need to come to Edmonton and um, I got off the plane and I was walking up the ramp from the air, from the plane into the airport. And I had this massive um, wave of nostalgia, like just like it had been like a year and some time since the last time I had been in Edmonton. And it just was the strangest feeling of like, almost like the city giving me a hug. Like it was like the city of Edmonton, you know, giving me a bit of a, a welcome back hug. And that was just so like, I remember just breaking out into this big smile of, um, of that feeling. Like it was just really an interesting feeling uh, for me. Isn't that such a good feeling though? Like I find in my, in my life, I am in the pursuit of that feeling. Like I try to surround myself with the people and in the environments where I feel that feeling. Yeah, exactly. Like the whole surround yourself with people that lift you up a little bit instead of beat you down a little bit. Yeah. So for sure. And that's like, that's where we lean into when, when it, when you, it's almost like you need that and then it, it's there and you lean into it. Cause it was, it was like that for me, the weekend in Edmonton was a real, a really great refresh. I like it with uh Spinco's growth and everything. And, going around the country like you, you travel a lot like do they have locations in alberta at all we do not have any in alberta surprisingly um but like i said we've been very calculated about our growth um so uh and the, the really great one the really great telltale things about spinco at the moment is all our existing um franchisees are are have already opened their second or wanting to open their second and now their third studios so that's a path of growth that we're focused on for the next um, six months is helping our existing franchisees expand um, the way they would like to. And then we, we are looking, we do have um, quite a, a pipeline of potential new locations. Um, and so we're, you know, we're pursuing that. We just want to really pace it so that we are well platformed to make sure that every studio is successful. Um, so we're we're taking our time a little bit, but I think we'll be accelerating in 2020. I think that's a good strategy to have in just about everything in life. Just like understanding like what it takes to be in a good position and what what is necessary for like a strong team and all of that stuff too. Yeah, and for us, it's um, you know I think when you have a brand that the experience itself like it's to me it's different us expanding locations in spin code than it would be necessarily for a subway right or like a tim hortons or something like that those are like for us although the business is franchised each location we really see as a, a reflection of the experience and so to preserve that 
means making sure that it's the right partners, making sure it's the right people that can perpetuate that and not necessarily, all, like we have a lot of, of requests and um, inquiries that are not the right fit for Spinco at the moment because we want we want operators and, and partners who really want the brand to be what it is. I think that's important to kind of like stay true to like your your guidelines or your core values or whatever it may be yeah and it's you know i think um the we're in a good i'm very lucky because we're not being pushed hard um by people in the back end to just make sure that it's the fastest growth like that that we just do more than that at the moment so i think that it's a really good fit that kind of people from all sides of the business are on the same are like in the same place with respect to how we're thinking about growth. Awesome. I'm curious, what's the best piece of advice that you received in the year 2019? Mm. Um, strictly in the year 2019, I, I think, you know, for me, it probably wasn't a piece of advice as much as it was that moment of are you doing what you should be doing when you're well and kind of just recircling recircling back for me in my mind you know that whole understanding of if it works so well why just stop doing it and for me that was the aha moment of yoga it was like when i think back to probably what i felt was me at my best in my life i was doing a lot of um yoga and Surprisingly, it's not about the physical aspect of it. It was more about the place it served in my life for stress reduction, um, you know, kind of being able to tame internal voices and uh, and just release a little bit into um, space that that was quiet, as opposed to like because a lot of my life is is highly charged, right? Like with kids and work and like, you know, like Spinco or any like, you know, kind of typical fitness environment, um, especially boutique is a little bit highly charged and, and that is amazing. But I felt, I realized that I had lost that place where I unplugged and that was, so it was probably the best discovery for me of 2019. I love it. So I have a question that I ask all of my guests. And it's if you could give one piece of advice on how to authentically live your life to the fullest, what would that piece of advice be? My piece of advice for that would be to lean into when you know you're 100% wrong. Like I, I heard a speaker years and years ago who was, it was a comical moment in his presentation, but he spoke about when you're in a heated argument with someone and usually someone you care about and you have that mental like kind of almost just crack in the in the landscape where you realize oh my goodness i am actually wrong here like i'm i'm like arguing from a place of of being in the wrong and you know i think um my piece of advice for anyone would be you know when you have that aha moment of uh the fact that you're in the wrong is instead of taking it to the grave, you know, lean into it and do everything. Like what I've found is I've had, I've had to in the last year, do everything to correct when I'm discovered myself to be in the wrong more so than when 
uh, I feel I'm in the right. Basically just putting ego aside sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I even heard it recently on a podcast I was driving to where they said, you know, there's, there's, it's never too late to right a wrong. And, you know, there's never a bad time to right a wrong. And that's, um, I think that's probably been uh, impactful for me. I love it. So I'm going to wrap it up. I feel like we could go on for four hours or something, but it's been a great conversation. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd like to thank you again for joining me. Well, thank you so much. And congratulations again on the success of, um, your podcast and of course all your fitness training it's been amazing I feel like I was there at the beginning of this whole journey for you and I couldn't be more proud of um, you know what you've been capable of creating for yourself and all of the people you're impacting with your training and with your podcast so congrats again thank you I really appreciate that <laughs>